Hi, thank you for being here today. Welcome to the Kate T. Benson podcast. My name is Kate T. Benson, and I'm a spiritual teacher. I believe that for the first time in history, enlightenment is available to all of us. I also believe that we can experience a whole lot more good and a whole lot less bad on our way to enlightenment. Finally, I believe that we all want to live our unique potential, that we're all looking for a greater sense of meaning and purpose, and that we're all looking for communities that support our values and enrich our lives. I became a spiritual teacher because of my beliefs and knowing I could make a difference. And one of the biggest differences that I can make is with respect to my belief that for the first time in history, enlightenment is available to all of us. I came to believe this after enlightenment happened to me. And to summarize, nothing could have ever have prepared me for it and nothing about my life would ever be the same. So the focus in today's episode of the Kate T. Benson podcast is how we can achieve both enlightenment as well as more good and less bad along the way to enlightenment in the same way. And that's by developing flexibility in our identity. So enlightenment is the experience of universal consciousness and it's bliss. And personal consciousness for most of us is the experience of the ego. So a lot of good experiences and thoughts and feelings and a lot of not so good thoughts and feelings and stuff that we wish we thoughts and feelings that we wish we weren't having. So, and by more good, less bad along the way to enlightenment, I mean freedom, like the freedom to choose our thoughts and feelings in any given set of circumstances. Imagine what you could do if you could just decide not to have any more anxiety. And so flexibility in our identity is being able to choose between a personal, like ego-based consciousness and the bliss of universal consciousness. And there's a whole lot of options in between. It's not an either or, Uh, there's like graded steps. And, and, but it all begins by gaining space from your ego-based storyline. And your ego-based storyline is the story that you tell yourself and others about who you are. Like if you've ever written a personal statement or just you've met someone and you're telling them about who you are, that's your ego-based storyline. Last week, I gave some extended background on identity and identity flexibility. And this week, I want to share a very powerful exercise for developing identity flexibility. So if you're interested in the extended background, definitely check out last week's. Today, we're just going to do a little bit of summary material on what I talked about last week on identity. So just uh, so my background is that I uh, did a master's in uh, clinical psychology at A&M, uh, but my, my master's thesis was focused on identity. I, out of everything that I read, which is a lot, um, the fa- my favorite summary that I've come up with for identity is that your identity is all the answers that you can come up with to the Cheshire Cat's question to Alice in Alice in Wonderland. You remember that? The Cheshire Cat asks Alice, who are you? And just for example, grown-up Alice might say to the Cheshire Cat, oh, who am I? Well, I'm a partnered mother researcher, part-time firefighting stamp collector. 
meaning that all of those things are a part of Alice's identity. So then from psychology, I gave a super simple one sentence summary for identity, according to William James, who's like a super founder in psychology, which is that our identity is basically just the collection of stories that we tell ourselves about who and what we are. And then I gave a super simple one sentence summary for identity, according to Eric Erickson, uh, which is that your identity is basically it's the social roles that you fill. And social roles are basically all the answers that you can come up with to the Cheshire Cat's question to who are you? Uh, so like when Alice says, I'm a partnered mother, researcher, part-time firefighting stamp collector, those are all social roles. And from business, I described personal brand, which is like not so much the social roles you fill, like being a researcher or a stamp collector, but it's like the personal personal style that you bring when filling those roles. So like if you really value being kind, then being kind would just be a part of the personal style that you bring when you're fulfilling your social role of being a researcher or a stamp collector. And then I talked about the ego, but in the way that I'm referring to it is not from psychology. So not like Freud and the id and the ego and super ego and stuff like that, but from spirituality. So referring to the personal I, uh, like, you know, cap, all caps I. Uh, and so the personal I is the part of you that uh, has that ego based storyline. Like it's the part of you that tells a story to yourself and others about who you are. The best way to think about the ego is that it's kind of like a creature. Like it's the part of you that comes up with your ego-based storyline. And the reason that your ego cares so much about your ego-based storyline is that's how it maintains its sense of itself. Which means that that's how you maintain your sense of yourself is with that story, like the story that you tell other people about who you are. That's how you maintain your sense of yourself. So if you wanna hear more about all of that, especially about how the ego does that, um, definitely check out that last uh, video uh, or the last episode. Um, but so there, uh, like, so that's like the personal eye and that's you know maintained by uh, your ego-based storyline that story that we have about who we are. But then there's universal consciousness, which is like the fullness of who you really are. So there's two metaphors that are helpful for thinking about this. And both metaphors describe things in terms of consciousness, because when we're talking about the ego and our personal story and our personal identity, like fundamentally, we're talking about consciousness because it's pretty clear that without consciousness, like when we're unconscious, there is nothing. There is no personal identity when you're unconscious. And so consciousness is the basis for every discussion that we can have about personal identity. So anyway, so these metaphors, they're about the ocean and they may sound complicated, but I think they're actually, I think they'll actually seem pretty simple. So consciousness um, is an ocean. Uh, like the first one is like this idea that consciousness is an ocean and that we're all waves. Like we're all just waves on the surface of the ocean or we think we're waves, right? But that we're actually the entire ocean because the wave isn't actually severed from the ocean, right? They're the ocean, the wave is just a part of the ocean. It's just at the top and that's us. And we're just having the experience from the vantage point of the wave. And like, that's this personal eye. And the second metaphor uh, 
is something called the Atman Brahman water droplet metaphor. And I'll talk some other time about Atman Brahman, but water droplet metaphor. So basically, it's basically the same, except think of you as like this little droplet. So picture the ocean and you're this little droplet separate from the ocean or consciousness itself, like experiencing yourself as a separate little droplet. And you can think about the ego as like the tension, the creature suit that holds that little water droplet together and keeps it separate from the ocean. So you're just a part of the ocean of universal consciousness and the ego wraps itself around you and makes you into a little bubble. And it uses that ego-based storyline to do that. And that's what makes you think that you're just this little bubble and that your ego-based story is the fullness of who you are. Like, well, this is who I am. And so that's what makes us a person. And it gives us a sense of ourselves as a personal I. But it's also, which is awesome, right? At the same time, it's also what separates us from the fullness of who we really are, which is the entire ocean, which is universal consciousness. And so what I'm talking about with identity flexibility is that little droplet unzipping that ego creature suit to be a part of the ocean again, being like, I really like the way this suit fits. <laughs> I think I'm going to try in a slightly different suit. And so taking that suit on and off, and experiencing yourself as the ocean, that's enlightenment. But any flexibility in your sense of identity, like any like, oh, okay, that's a little bit better. And things start to get a whole lot more good. And things get better because, well, for a lot of reasons, but the real, the core, the, here's the thing, is like the ego doesn't care if you're happy. It just wants a story. It needs a story to maintain a sense of itself as a personal identity separate from universal consciousness. And it uses that story to create a boundary around your sense of you and what you really are. And again, if you want to know more about how the ego is working when it's doing all that, check out the last episode. But so today I want to share a very powerful exercise for generating space. Uh, developing identity flexibility. So in this exercise, think about the example of Alice, who's a partnered mother researcher, part-time firefighting stamp collector. Like those are Alice's social roles that she identifies with. And that is Alice's ego-based storyline. Like that's how Alice would introduce her to someone. Like, who are you? Well, I'm a partnered researcher, part-time firefighting stamp collector. That's who I am. So in these exercises, Alice is going to try out not thinking about those things anymore, like not like try out thinking about not being any of those things anymore. And that's just to get some space from there, from this ego based storyline. So for this exercise, which you all are going to be like Alice and make your and we're going to make a list of your social identities, like the ones that you really identify with, like your relationships, like your blood relationships and your non-blood relationships, like who you are as a wife and a partner and a friend and a co-worker and what you do for work. Um, like basically all of the elements that you think are like a central or a core part of being you. And we're going to spend time thinking about who you are without any of those things. 
So first you'll need a journal, like paper or electronic, it doesn't matter, like just something to record your thoughts. And if all you have are a couple of loose leaves of paper, like that's okay, but just be sure to grab like a paper clip or something to hold the pages together so that y'all don't lose anything. All right, I'll be here while y'all pause and go grab, uh, like I'll pause and y'all like just press pause and y'all go grab something, okay? Okay, let's get started. So we're gonna start by making a list of our identity roles. And so to do that, we're gonna answer a few questions about the social roles that y'all identify with. So grab your piece of paper and a pen or your phone or whatever device you wanna to use to record your thoughts and find a comfortable place to sit. Okay, so let's start by listing all the important blood relationships in your life. So are y'all a mom, a son, or a daughter, an aunt, or an uncle, a niece, or a nephew, a cousin, a grandparent, a grandchild? Like just begin there, listing all of those important blood relationships. Like Just write down, I am, or we are, a daughter, a sister, a grandparent, and y'all want to have to list all of your blood relationships or like every blood relationship that you have, just the ones that matter to you, like that really matter. So don't feel the need to mention your third cousin unless your third cousin is someone that's important to you. Okay, so let's pause now and make a list of y'all's important blood relationships. Okay, next, we're gonna list all y'all's important non-blood relationships. Like, so for example, is there an important romantic relationship, like maybe a spouse, or how about a best friend? If so, we wanna write those down. So let's pause now and we'll make a list of all y'all's important non-blood relationships. Okay, so now how about the folks who take care of the people and pets and things that are important to you? Like maybe a dog sitter or a daycare provider or a child's teacher or a barista, like if they didn't make it onto the last list. It can be helpful to think about your day and what you do throughout your day to think about all the other people that you interact with like that are important. Okay, so let's pause now and make a list of all the folks who take care of the people and pets and things that are important to y'all. Okay, next, if you're a student, what are y'all studying? Write that down. And if y'all have a future occupation in mind, write that down. Okay, students, let's pause now and we'll take a moment to do that. Let's write down what are we studying and any future occupation that we have in mind. Okay, next, let's all write down what y'all do for a living, whether it's like a career or you're just making ends meet. You can use a title or just a couple of words that describe your job, like I'm a teacher or we're a marketing director or a traffic guard. Okay, so let's pause now and write down what we do for a living. Okay, next, let's write down our boss and our two favorite or most preferred colleagues. Okay, so pause now and again, write down y'all's boss and two favorite or most preferred colleagues. Okay, last, 
what are y'all's hobbies? Like, are y'all really into dance or photography or yoga, or maybe you're a big gym goer or a hiker and a coffee connoisseur? All right, let's take a minute and write down our hobbies. And if y'all feel like you don't really have any hobbies right now, like that's okay. Just maybe write down something that you've done in the past. All right, let's pause now and write down our hobbies. Okay, great job coming up with y'all's list. Take a moment to congratulate ourselves. We'll just say good job or well done. Okay, so next we're gonna find a memory for everybody and everything on y'all's lists. So I'll use Alice as an example. So Alice identified one of their important blood relationships as being a mom. So Alice has a 12 year old who identifies female and Alice has a favorite memory of their daughter from many years ago of playing in the mud together after the rain and making mud pies. And it was just Alice's daughter and Alice on one particular day, like having the time of their lives outside after the rain. And there was a rainbow and they all had muck boots on and they decided to make mud pies. And there was just this one moment where Alice's daughter looked over her shoulder at her mother. And Alice will just never forget the smile on their daughter's face. And so that's the memory. And if Alice really wanted to remember like a core memory of Alice's daughter, that's the memory that Alice would bring to mind. Okay, so now it's y'all's turn. We'll start with all the important blood relationships in your life. So we're gonna find a memory for each of the important blood relationships in y'all's life. And it can be a current or a distant memory. And it can be a big deal memory, like a special event, but it can also just be whatever comes to mind, like maybe what y'all see most often with them. And once you have that memory, like pick two or three words that describe that memory to help bring that memory to mind. Like, for example, Alice would pick rainy day to describe that memory and to remember their day. Okay, so let's pause now and take a moment to find a memory for each of the important blood relationships in y'all's life. And when you find it, write them down. Okay, so let's pause now and take that moment, find a memory for each of the important blood relationships in y'all's life, and then two to three words that describe that memory. And once you have all those, write those down. Okay. So now that you have two to three words written down for recalling a core memory for each non-blood relationship on your list, next we'll want to find a memory for each of the folks that take care of the people and pets and things that are important to y'all. So let's pause now and again, we're going to find a memory for all the folks that take care of the people and pets and things that are important to y'all. And then two to three words that describe that memory. And once y'all have those words, write them down. Okay, so now that you have two to three words written down for recalling a core memory for all the folks that take care of the people and pets and things that are important to y'all, next we'll want to find a memory for what y'all do for a living. So this is a core memory of what it's like to do your job, like whatever it is that's most central about that job, like what y'all do the most every day. Y'all might picture an Excel spreadsheet or smiles on customers' faces or a field of lilies. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter like what y'all picture. What matters is that there's an image that y'all can hold in mind that represents the job to you. 
Okay, so let's pause now. And again, we're going to find a core memory for what it's like to do y'all's job, like whatever is most central about that job or what y'all do the most every day. And then two to three words that that describe that memory. And then once y'all have those words, write them down. Okay. Okay, now that y'all have two to three words written down for recalling a core memory for the job, next we'll want to find a core memory for the boss and for the two most preferred colleagues. And this could be a big deal memory or like just what you see most often. So let's pause now and find a core memory for the boss and for the two most preferred colleagues and then two or three words that describe those memories. And once you have those words, write those down. Okay, so now that y'all have two to three words written down for recalling a core memory for the boss and two most preferred colleagues. Next, if y'all are a student, y'all wrote down what y'all are studying and whether y'all have a future occupation in mind. So now we're going to spend a minute thinking of a core memory, like one that's just really y'all as a student and one that's just really y'all in the future occupation. So let's pause now and our students are gonna find a core memory for what y'all are studying and for any future occupation that y'all have in mind. And we'll also find like the two or three words that describe those memories. And then once you have those words, write them down. Okay, now that our students have two to three words written down for recalling core memories, like for being a student and for future occupation, now we'll want to find core memories for our hobbies. So for example, Alice is a stamp collector and Alice used a memory of finding their favorite stamp. So y'all might have a favorite memory for y'all's hobby, like, or maybe there's one that's just really what it's like for y'all doing your hobby, you know, when you're like in the groove. All right, so let's pause now and find memories for our hobbies and then two or three words that describe those memories. And once y'all have those words, then just write them down. Okay, great job coming up with all those memories and words to recall all those memories. Let's take a moment to congratulate ourselves. You can just say, good job or well done. And so now that we have those, we're gonna practice visualizing those memories. So we'll begin with all the important blood relationships in y'all's life. And we'll use the two to three word memory prompt that y'all wrote, like to bring up those core memories. And we'll do that one by one. So Alice's prompt was rainy day, like to bring to mind playing in the mud with their daughter. So Alice would say rainy day to bring up that memory. And then Alice would visualize that memory, thinking about making mud pies with their daughter. And Alice would really focus on that one moment where their daughter looked over her shoulder at her mother and the smile on her daughter's face and the joy that Alice felt. And so that's what we're going to do now with all the major blood relationships that y'all have identified. So when y'all are ready, we'll start with the first person on y'all's list. And if you have like 15 people on your list, you don't need to do 15. You can prioritize and pick the top two or three. It depends. It's entirely up to you. Like if you're like, no, everyone is equivalently important, like based on your cultural background, that might be the case. And it would be really important for you to uh, to spend time with all of those memories. But this is very individual specific. And I, I trust you all to, to know what you need to do. 
And if you have questions, you can always reach out to me or thoughts or whatever. Okay. All right. So right now, look at the words on your list that you lack to recall a very particular memory, like for that first blood folk on y'all's list. Like, so bring up that memory and go back to that day and ask yourself or, you know, think through like, where were y'all? And like, what were y'all, where were y'all sitting or how were y'all standing and what were y'all wearing and how did y'all's clothes feel and how did y'all feel and what were the sights and the sounds and the smells of the room and who else was there and what were they doing and how did they look and what were they feeling and just bring all that up and sit with it. Ultimately, what you want to bring up is whatever was most core about that memory for you. So for Alice, it's the moment, you know, with her daughter and the smile and the joy. But it's it's the context that I'm I'm trying to give some questions to cue context if you're not really sure. Like, well, here's a memory that I think of or here's something that comes to mind. but I don't really know how to get into it. The questions that I asked just now, those are some ways for you to really kind of dig into that memory. So you want to walk through those. You can just play that little uh, segment again uh, about like who else was there and what were they doing and how did they look and just bring all that up and just sit with it and just let it wash over and and just sort of marinate in the moment, meaning take a moment to just sit with that memory. And then repeat that for all the blood folks on y'all's list. And it doesn't matter how long you spend with the memory. Like it might only be 10 seconds, but what matters is how real it is, like meaning how vivid it is. You want to almost be able to smell the memory, like the scent of a freshly squeezed lemon. Like you want it to be as real as if y'all were right there. Okay, so take a moment now to practice visualizing the memory for just the first person on y'all's list. Okay, so now they all practice using the prompt to recall and visualize the memory for the first blood relationship on your list. Now let's practice using the prompt to recall and visualize the remaining memories on y'all's list of important blood relationships. And it doesn't, again, it doesn't matter how long you spend with the memory, like what matters is how real it is, like how vivid it is. So try and include as many details as possible. Okay, let's pause now and do that. Okay, so now that y'all have practiced using the prompts to recall and visualize the chosen memory for each blood relationship on y'all's list, next we'll practice using the prompts to recall and visualize the memory for each non-blood relationship on y'all's list. And again, it doesn't matter how long y'all spend with the memory. What matters is how real, how vivid it is. So try and include as many details as possible. All right, let's pause now and do that. Okay, so now that y'all have practiced using the prompt to recall and visualize the chosen memory for each non-blood relationship on y'all's list, next we'll want to practice using the prompt to recall and visualize the chosen core memory for all the folks who take care of the people and pets and things that are important to you. So again, it doesn't matter how long you spend with the memory, like what matters is how real it is, how vivid it is. So include, you know, as many details as possible or the most central details that are most relevant for you. All right, let's pause now and do that.
Okay, so now that we've practiced using the prompt to recall and visualize the chosen memory for all the folks who take care of the people and pets and things that are important to us, next we'll want to practice using the prompts to recall and visualize how we make our living. And again, it doesn't matter how long y'all spend with the memory. What matters is how real, like how vivid it is. So try and include as many uh, centrally relevant details as possible. All right, let's pause now and do that. Okay, so now that you've practiced using the prompt to recall and visualize how we make our living, next we want to practice using the prompt to recall and visualize the chosen memory for our boss and our two most preferred colleagues. And again, it doesn't matter how long y'all spend with the memory, like what matters is how real or how vivid it is. So try to include as many details as possible. All right, let's pause now and do that. Okay, now that you've practiced using the prompt to recall and visualize a memory for y'all's boss and two most preferred colleagues, next our students will want to practice using their prompts to recall and visualize their chosen memories for being a student and for future occupation. It doesn't matter how long you spend with the memory, like what matters is how real or how vivid it is. All right, so let's pause now and do that. Okay, so now that our students have practiced using their prompts to recall and visualize their memories for being a student and for future occupation, next we'll all practice using our prompts to recall and visualize our hobbies. It doesn't matter how long y'all spend with the memory, like what matters is how real or how vivid it is. Okay, let's pause now and do that. Okay. Great job using your prompts to visualize all those memories. Let's take a moment to congratulate ourselves. Just say, good job or well done. And now that y'all have practiced using prompts to recall and really visualize all those memories, next we're gonna practice letting go of that memory. And not just letting go of the memory, but letting go of the part of us who is in that relationship or who is that relationship or who is that relative or employee or that hobbyist? Like in other words, we're gonna practice letting get letting go of our identity. All right. So for example, Alice would bring up this wonderful memory that they have of making mud pies with their daughter and the smile on their daughter's face and the joy that Alice felt in their heart. And Alice would embrace that memory for just a moment, would let it wash over. And then Alice would let it go as if Alice had just awoken from a lovely dream. And Alice would then say, I am no longer a mother. And then Alice would feel that loss. And Alice would grieve the loss of their daughter because even if it was just a dream, it felt so real. And to grieve here means to really feel the loss, like to feel to your greatest extent possible, like the aching in your chest and the emptiness and the pit of the stomach. All right, so now it's y'all's turn to practice bringing all those memories up, letting them go and grieving them. And we'll begin with the important blood relationships in your life. And we'll use the two to three word memory prompt that you wrote to bring those memories up one by one. So when you're ready, we'll start with the first blood folk on y'all's list. Okay, 
So take a look now at the memory prompt for the first folk on y'all's list and bring up that memory and bring up that memory in its richest form, like with all of its sights and sounds and smells and feelings. And just bring all that up and just marinate in the moment. Like take a minute to just sit with that memory. Let's do that right now. Let's just take a minute to just sit with that memory. And now say this memory, this memory that I am or that we are enjoying right now, the person in this memory, they're gone. They are no more. I am, we are no longer a mother, a daughter, a sister, or whatever that significant blood relationship is. And then take a moment to really feel it. Like take a moment to wrestle with the idea of this person, like this person that you have, that you may have just seen this morning, like that they're gone now. And grieve like that they are no more, that you are no longer a mother, a daughter, a sister, or whatever that significant blood relationship is. All right, let's do that now. Okay, now they all have practiced letting go of and grieving the first folk on y'all's list. Now let's practice letting go of and grieving all the remaining significant blood relationships on y'all's list. So let's pause now and do that. Okay, now that we've practiced letting go and grieving each significant blood relationship, Next, we'll practice letting go and grieving all the important non-blood relationships. So look at the memory prompt for the first person on your list and bring up that memory and bring up that memory in its richest form with all of its sights and sounds and smells and feelings and just bring all that up and marinate in it in the moment. And so take a minute with me just now like to sit with that memory. Okay, let's do that right now. And so now say like this memory that I am or that we are enjoying right now, the person in this memory, like they're gone. They are no more. And I am or we are no longer a spouse, a partner, a best friend, or whatever that significant non-blood relationship was. And then really feel it. Like take a moment to wrestle with the idea that this person that y'all may have just seen this morning like that they're gone now and grieve that they are no longer your spouse, no longer your partner, no longer your best friend or whatever that significant blood relationship was. So pause now and take time to do that. Okay. So now that y'all have practiced letting go of and grieving the folks on y'all's list of important non-blood relationships, now we'll practice letting go of and grieving all the remaining significant blood relationships on y'all's list. 
Okay, so let's pause now and do that. Okay, now that we've practiced letting go and grieving all of our significant non-blood relationships, next we'll practice letting go of and grieving all the folks who take care of the important people and pets and things in our lives. So look at the memory prompt for the first important folk on your list and bring up that memory and bring it up in its richest form with all of its sights and sounds and smells and feelings and just bring all that up and just marinate in that moment. So take a minute now to just sit with that memory. Okay, let's do that. Okay, and so now say like this memory, this memory that I'm enjoying or that we're enjoying right now, the person in this memory, they're gone. They are no more. They're no longer your child's teacher or your dog groomer or your barista. And then really feel it. Like take a moment to wrestle with the idea that y'all have may just seen them this morning and that they're gone now. And that whatever role they played in y'all's life, that y'all will never see them again. And then take a moment to grieve that they are no, that they are no more. All right, let's pause now and take time to do that. Okay, so now that y'all have practiced letting go of and grieving the first person on y'all's list of folks who take care of the people and pets and things that are important to y'all, now we'll practice letting go and grieving all the remaining folks on y'all's list. Okay, let's pause now and do that. Okay, now that we've practiced letting go and grieving the folks who take care of the people and pets and things that are important to y'all, next we'll practice letting go of and grieving work. So look at the memory prompt for work and bring up that memory and bring it up in its richest form and just bring all that up and just marinate in the moment. So take a minute now to just sit with that memory. Let's do that. And now say this memory, like this memory of our work, our job, this memory is gone because this job is gone. This job is no longer our job. And no matter how much it meant, like we will never work in that job. We will never do that kind of work again. And then really feel it. Like take a moment to wrestle with the idea that y'all's career is no more. And that whatever role work played in y'all's life, that that is gone. And take a moment to grieve that. All right, let's pause now and take time to do that. Okay, so now that we've practiced letting go and grieving work, next we'll practice letting go and grieving the boss. So take a look at the memory prompt for the boss and bring up that memory in its richest form and take a moment to just sit with it and to marinate. All right, let's do that now.
Okay. And now say to yourself, like this memory, this memory that, that I am or that we're enjoying right now, like the person in this memory, they're gone. They are no more. And take a moment to wrestle with the idea that this person that y'all may have just seen this morning, like that they're gone now and that y'all will never see them again. And take a moment to grieve that they are no more. Okay, let's pause now and take time to do that. Okay, so now that we've practiced letting go and grieving the boss, next we'll practice letting go and grieving the first of our two most preferred colleagues. So take a moment now to look at the memory prompt for the first of our two most preferred colleagues and bring that memory up in its richest form and take a moment to just sit with the memory. All right, let's do that now. And now say to yourself, like this memory, this memory that I am or that we're enjoying right now, like the colleague in this memory, they are gone. They are no more. And take a moment to wrestle with the idea that this colleague that y'all may have just seen this morning, like that they're gone now and that y'all will never see them again. And take a moment to grieve that they are no more. All right, let's pause now and take time to do that. Okay, so now that we've practiced letting go and grieving the first of our two most preferred colleagues, next we'll practice letting go and grieving the second of our two most preferred colleagues. So take a moment now to look at the memory prompt for the second of our two most preferred colleagues and bring up that memory in its richest form and take a moment to just sit with that memory. Okay, let's do that now. And now say this memory, like this memory that I am or that we are enjoying right now, the colleague in this memory, they are gone. They are no more. And take a moment to wrestle with the idea that this colleague that y'all may have just seen this morning, like that they're gone now and that y'all will never see them again. And take a moment to grieve that they are no more. All right, let's pause now and take time to do that. Okay, so now that we've practiced letting go and grieving the boss and two most preferred colleagues, next our students will practice letting go and grieving themselves as a student and their plans for the future. And for y'all who are students, use your two to three word prompts to recall and visualize your chosen memories, first for being a student and then for future occupation. And bring each of those memories up in its richest form, like meaning with all of its sights and sounds and smells and feelings. Just bring all that up and marinate in the moment and take a minute to sit with it for each of them. And then say this memory, this memory as a student or of my future occupation, it is no more. And then really feel it. Take a moment to wrestle with the idea that what y'all have been doing and working on, that it is no more. That whatever role school played in life, that that's gone. And then take a moment to grieve that. Okay, let's pause now and take time for that memory as a student and plans for the future. Okay, so now that our students have practiced letting go and grieving their education and their plans for the future, 
Next, we'll all practice letting go and grieving our hobbies. So Alice was a stamp collector. So Alice would grieve no longer being a stamp collector. So whatever y'all's hobbies, use the two to three word prompts to recall and visualize the chosen memory for each hobby. And then bring each of those memories up in its richest form and just bring all that up, the sights and sounds and smells and feelings, and just bring it all up and then marinate in the moment. Take a minute to just sit with it. And then say to yourself, like this memory, this memory of me as a skier or of, of us all as a hiker, it's only a memory now. Like that whatever role that hobby played in y'all's life, that that is gone. And who y'all are in y'all's cherished hobby, it, that they no longer exist. And take a moment to wrestle with that, like to grieve that each hobby is no more. So pause now and take time to practice remembering and then letting go of and grieving all of y'all's hobbies. Okay, so now that we practice letting go and grieving all the important blood and non-blood relationships in our life, as well as the important folks who take care of the people and pets and things that are important to us, and we practice letting go of and grieving what we do for a living and our boss and our two most preferred colleagues. And our students have practiced letting go of and grieving being a student and their future occupation. And all of us have practiced letting go and grieving our hobbies. Wow, that was a lot of work. Let's take a moment to congratulate ourselves. If you can just say good job or, or well done. Good job, well done. And now that we've done all that, let's take a moment now to create a single list of everything that we just let go of, like of all the identities that we've grieved. So y'all will want to take the time to actually write all that out. So like literally write out, I am or we are no longer, and then list all y'all's important blood relationships, like a sister, a mother, a daughter, and non-blood relationships, like a partner or a best friend, and the folks who take care of the people and pets and things that are important. Like, so for example, so-and-so is no longer our barista and enlist y'all's boss and y'all's two most preferred colleagues, like so-and-so is no longer my boss. Our students will also want to add that they're no longer a student and they no longer have their future occupation. And then all of us will list what we used to do for a living and our former hobbies. Okay, so let's take a moment now to make that list. And once you've done making that list, take a moment to read it out loud and take a moment to consider your list all together. And then try and take the time to really feel and to grieve the loss of all y'all's identities. That's like the total loss of who y'all are. Cool. Okay, so let's pause now and go do that. Go make your list and take a moment to read it out loud and then consider your list all together and take the time that you need to really feel and grieve the loss of y'all's identities. Okay, let's do that now. So yeah, wow. I hope y'all have a sense now of just how much work y'all have done. Like trust when I say that that was a lot of work. So let's please take a moment to congratulate ourselves. And again, you can just say good job or well done. 
Good job. Well done. So, because the ego is kind of like a Pez dispenser for identities, like it doesn't really care about identities, we're going to create a list of like possible replacement identities. And if you want to know more about what I'm talking about there, I mentioned it a little bit uh, in a few minutes. I'll talk about it in a little bit in a few minutes, but go check out uh, the last episode where I talk about that in depth. But so anyway, so we're going to create um, a list of possible replacement identities, like for all the identities that we just gave up. Like, in other words, we're going to we're going to just create possible replacement answers for the Cheshire Cat's question, who are you? So we'll start with our really important blood relationships. Like, okay, so for example, after Alice let go of the memory of their daughter, when Alice thought about trying to generate a possible replacement, Alice thought about their daughter's friend, who their daughter spends a lot of time with and who Alice has known for many years. So Alice took a minute to think of the memory of being in the rain with their daughter and replace their daughter with their daughter's friend. And then Alice took a minute to enjoy the memory of that rainy day using their daughter's friend. So now it's y'all's turn. Y'all are going to take a moment to just think of a possible replacement person for all the memories that you have picked out for all of your important blood relationships. And so to do that, y'all will bring each memory up for all the folks on your list and pick out a replacement person for that memory. And then take a moment to experience that memory, like to feel the richness of it that y'all felt before, but with the replacement person. And like before, it doesn't matter how long you spend with the memory, like what matters is how real or how vivid it is. Okay, so to recap, we're gonna bring up each memory for all the folks on your list of important blood relationships, pick out a replacement person for that memory and take a moment to experience the memory but with the replacement person and do that for all the folks on your list. And if you can't remember your replacement person like that you thought of, just pick, pick somebody else. It, it doesn't really matter. All right, but let's pause now and let's do that. Okay, so now that we've practiced experiencing all the memories that we have of our list of important blood relationships, but with possible like replacement people, next we'll practice experiencing memories that we have of our important non-blood relationships, but with a replacement person. So to do that, y'all will bring up each memory for all the folks on your list and pick out a replacement person for that memory, and then take a moment to experience that memory, like to feel the richness of it that y'all felt before, with the replacement person. And like before, it doesn't matter how long you spend with the memory or whether it's the replacement person that you meant for it to be at the outset, but what matters is just how real or how vivid it is and that you're using a replacement person. All right, so let's pause now. Okay. So now that we've practiced experiencing all the memories we have of our important non-blood relationships, but with possible replacement people, next we'll practice experiencing all the memories we have of the folks who take care of the people and pets and things that are important to us, but using possible replacement folks. So to do that, y'all will bring each memory up for all the folks on your list and pick out a replacement person for that memory. And then take a moment to experience that memory, like to feel the richness of it that y'all felt before, 
but with the replacement person. And like before, it doesn't matter how long you spend with the memory, like what matters is how real or how vivid it is. All right, so let's pause now. Okay, so now that we practice experiencing all the memories we have of the important folks who take care of the people and pets and things that are important to us, but using a possible replacement person, Next, we'll practice experiencing the boss and two most preferred colleagues, but using a possible replacement person. So to do that, y'all will bring each memory up, like first for the boss and then for the two colleagues. And one by one, pick out a replacement person for each of those memories. And then take a moment to experience each memory, like to feel the richness of it that y'all felt before, but with the replacement person. And like before, it doesn't matter how long you spend with the memory. What matters is how real, like how vivid it is. All right, let's pause now. Okay, so now that we've practiced experiencing all the memories that we have of the boss and two most preferred colleagues, but using a possible replacement person, next we'll practice coming up with a replacement job. And so here we're not replacing the persons in the memory, but we're picking a new job and coming up with a new memory. So maybe there's a job that y'all have always been interested in trying. Like maybe there's an alternate career that y'all were interested in. So this would be an opportunity to explore that. So take a moment to just pick out a job or a career and then come up with a core memory for what that job would look like. And trust yourself to know what memory you need. But worst case, like you can Google the job or career choice and pick a picture. Like what, but whatever picture y'all choose, like take a moment to insert yourself into the picture and to enjoy that memory, like as if y'all were really there and as if that was really your memory. Like it, it almost like as if you really remember being there. Okay. And add as many details as you can, like to feel the richness of it. And like before, it doesn't matter how long you spend with the memory, like what matters is how real or how vivid it is. Like ideally you want it to, you want it to be as if y'all were right there in the memory. All right. So let's pause now and we'll do that. Okay. So now that we practice experiencing the different job, next our students will practice imagining that they're studying something different than what they are studying and that they have a different future occupation. So this situation may require our students to come up with new memories. It depends. So for example, your memory of what it means to be a student is looking at an Excel spreadsheet. You may be able to modify what you study in future career from I'm going to be an engineer to I'm going to be an accountant and just keep the Excel spreadsheet like as your memory of what it feels like to really be a student. But if you all were going into forestry and now y'all are thinking that you might go into dance, that will probably require a different memory. And if y'all get stuck, worst case, just Google dance and pick a picture and then insert yourself into that memory and in your mind, and then take a, a few moments to really enjoy that memory. Like as if you all are really studying something new and y'all really have a memory of this new thing. And like before, it doesn't matter how long you spend with the memory, what matters is how real or how vivid it is. So y'all want it to be as if you were right there in the memory. And then y'all will do the same thing for y'all's future, like alternate uh, future occupation. And since our students are tasked with projects requiring some kind of design or imagination all, all the time, I have complete faith in y'all's ability to do this. All right. 
So like before, it doesn't matter how long you spend with the memory, like y'all, how long you spend with the memory y'all come up with for y'all's future occupation. What matters is how real or how vivid it is. Y'all want it to be as if you were right there in the memory. All right, students, let's take some time now and come up with our alternate memories for being a student and for future career. And take a few moments to really enjoy and to explore those alternate memories. All right, let's pause now and do that. Okay, so now that our students have practiced imagining that they're studying something different than what they were studying and that they have a different future occupation, next we'll all practice imagining that we have different hobbies. So for this, we might imagine something that we thought about doing at some point in time in the past or something that's on our someday list. But whatever replacement or replacements you choose, like just like when we all came up with new jobs, we'll have to come up with new memories for our new hobbies. So y'all will pick a new hobby and a new memory for the hobby and then spend a few minutes imagining the hobby as if you've actually done it. The only rule is that it needs to be something that you enjoyed and that was meaningful to you. So if you get stuck coming up with hot, like at least in your mind in this memory, it can't be something that you hate. All right. Um, if you're like, oh, that was terrible. I'll pick that. Don't do that. Pick something that enjoyable. But if you get stuck coming up with hobbies, you can just Google hobbies and look for examples and pick something that looks truly interesting to you. Like, And if you're fine picking the hobby, but you get stuck looking for a memory, then you can Google the hobby and look for a picture that you find exciting and then insert yourself into the picture in your mind. And like before, it doesn't matter how long you spend with the memory. What matters is how real or how vivid it is. Y'all want it to be as if you were right there in that memory. All right, let's pause now and do that. Okay, wow, that was a lot of work. Great job coming up with all those replacement identities. So now that we've created and spent a few minutes really enjoying all those replacement answers for the Cheshire Cats question, who are you? Next, we're gonna practice bringing those replacement answers up and letting them go and grieving their loss. We'll start with our really important blood relationships. So for example, Alice would take a moment to recall the memory that Alice selected for being a mom, which was the rainy day, but now using the replacement of their daughter's friend. And Alice would embrace that memory for just a moment of playing in the mud together after the rain. And there was a rainbow and they all had muck boots on and they decided to make mud pies. And so Alice would bring that memory up and let it wash over and then let it go. And then as if Alice had just awoken from a dream, Alice would say, I am no longer a mother. And then Alice would feel the loss and would grieve the loss and grieve the memory of being a mom and of their replacement daughter. Being a memory, pardon me, grieve the, the loss of being a mom of their replacement daughter. Because even if being a mom was just a dream, it felt so real. Okay, so now it's y'all's turn. Oh, and just a quick note here at the outset, if y'all can't remember who y'all's replacement was, it doesn't matter. Like just pick a new replacement. Okay, so when y'all are ready, take a moment to recall your memories with the replacement person for all y'all's important blood relationships. So you're gonna bring each memory up with the replacement person and take a moment to enjoy that memory, like to feel the richness of it that you felt before 
but with this new replacement and then let it go and say, I am or we are no longer a mother or a sister or a daughter and then grieve the loss. And grieving the loss means feeling the pain of the loss, feeling the absence, the emptiness in your chest. All right, so let's pause now and we'll take a moment to enjoy that memory and then to let it go and to grieve the loss of that relationship, saying that I am or we are no longer a mother or a sister or a daughter, and then grieve the loss and feel its pain. All right, let's pause now and do that for all of y'all's important blood relationships, replacement blood relationships. Okay, now that we've practiced recalling the memory with the replacement person for all our important blood relationships, and we've practiced letting that memory go and grieving its loss, Next, we'll practice recalling the memory with the replacement person for all our important non-blood relationships. And we'll practice letting that memory go and grieving its loss. For all y'all, so for all y'all's important non-blood relationships, you'll bring up each memory like with the replacement person and take a moment to enjoy the memory, like to feel the richness of it, but with the replacement person and then let it go. And so you'd say, for example, like I am, we are no longer a spouse, no longer a partner, no longer a best friend, and then grieve the loss. Like actually take the time to let it sink in and to feel the pain of that loss, like the absence, the emptiness in your chest. All right, so let's pause now and do that for all the for all y'all's important replacement uh, non-blood relationships. Okay, so now that we've practiced recalling the memory with the replacement person for all our important non-blood relationships, and we've practiced letting that memory go and grieving its loss, next we'll practice recalling the memory with the replacement person for all of our folks who take care of the people and pets and things that are important to us. And like before, when y'all bring up each memory, take a moment to enjoy that memory, to feel the richness of it the richness that you felt originally, but with this new replacement. And then let it go and say, this person, like they are, they no longer take care of the people and pets and things that are important to me or to us. And then take a moment to grieve that loss, like to actually let that loss sink in and to feel the pain of that loss, the absence, the emptiness in your chest. All right, let's pause now and do those things for all the folks who take care of all the people and pets and things that are important to y'all. Okay, now that we've practiced recalling the memory with the replacement person for all of our folks who take care of the people and the pets and things that are important to us, and we've practiced letting those folks go and grieving their loss. Next, we'll practice recalling the memory with the replacement for our work. And like before, when y'all bring up each memory, take a moment to enjoy that memory, like to feel the richness of it and then let it go. Like this replacement job, it's no longer our job. And then take a moment to grieve that loss. All right, let's pause now and do those things for y'all's replacement job. Okay, so now that we've practiced recalling the memory of our replacement job, 
and we've practiced letting go and grieving its loss. Next, we'll practice recalling the memory with the replacement person for our boss and for our two most preferred colleagues. And like before, when y'all bring up each memory, take a moment to enjoy the memory, to feel the richness of it, but with this new replacement person, and then let it go and say, this replacement person, they are no longer my boss. They are no longer one of my most preferred colleagues. And then take a moment to grieve that loss, like to actually let that loss sink in and to feel the pain of that loss, the absence. Okay, let's pause now and do those things for y'all's replacement boss and two most preferred colleagues. Okay, now that we've practiced recalling the memory with the replacement person for our boss and our two most preferred colleagues, and we've practiced letting that memory go and grieving its loss, Next, our students will practice recalling the memory of their replacement education and replacement future occupation. And like before, when y'all bring up each memory, take a moment to enjoy the memory, to feel the richness of it, and then let it go and say, I am or we are no longer a student of our replacement subject. And then I am or we are no longer looking forward to our replacement future occupation. Like That is no longer our future and take a moment to grieve the loss, to feel the pain of that loss, the absence, the unease in the pit of your stomach. Okay, so let's pause now and do that. Okay, so now that our students have practiced recalling the memory of their replacement education and replacement future occupation, and they practice letting that memory go and grieving its loss, Next, we'll all practice recalling the memory of our replacement hobbies. And when y'all bring up each memory, take a moment to enjoy that memory, to feel the richness of it, and then let it go. So for example, Alice would, Alice would have originally said, we are no longer a stamp collector. And then Alice replaced stamp collecting with coin collecting. So now Alice would say, we are no longer a coin collector. So y'all would say, I am or we are no longer a skier or whatever your replacement hobby is. And then take a moment and grieve that loss and actually let that loss sink in. Like the, well, then what do I do with all my spare time? All right, so let's pause now and let's do that for all y'all's replacement hobbies. Okay, wow, that was a lot of work. <laughs> Take a moment to congratulate yourself on the very hard work of grieving the loss of all of those replacement identities. So let's take a moment now to create a single list of everything that we just let go of, like of all the replacement identities that we've grieved. And y'all will want to actually take the time to write it all out. So like write out, I am or we are no longer, and then list all of your replacement blood relationships all of your replacement non-blood relationships and all the replacement folks who take care of the people and pets and things that are important to you, as well as your boss and your two most preferred colleagues. And our students will want to add that they're no longer a student of their replacement subject and that they no longer have their replacement future occupation to look forward to. And then all of us will write out like I am or we are no longer doing our replacement occupation or any of our replacement hobbies. And actually, like, but actually list all of the replacement hobbies. All right, so let's take a moment now to compile that list. And once you have your list compiled, 
take a moment to read it out loud and then to consider your list all together as if it's just as real as the first list that we came up with of everyone you've known, of every relationship that you've had, of everything that you've done and of everything that you've been and of everything that you are and take the time that you need to grieve the loss of all of those identities. But with these uh, replacement folks or these replacement uh, hobbies or uh, occupations, this is the loss of who you are. All right, let's pause now and do that. Okay, so wow, bringing together all of our work today. The Cheshire Cat asked us, who are you? And we answered who we are by listing the identities that we have from our blood relationships, our non-blood relationships, from our relationships that we have with the folks who take care of the people and pets and things that are important to us, and from what we do for a living and the folks that we work with and for our hobbies. And then we let all of those things go. And we just let go of our answers to the Cheshire Cat's question, meaning that we let go of our identities or our ego-based storyline, which is what keeps us separate from universal consciousness and locked into a very specific conceptualization of ourselves, which is this story that we have that we tell ourselves and others about who we are. And then we came up with replacement answers because the ego is basically like a Pez dispenser. Like there's a lot of different types of flavors of Pez and the Pez dispenser doesn't care what flavor of Pez it dispenses. And the ego is totally the same way. It just wants an identity. It doesn't care what kind of identity. It'll even take an unhappy identity just so long as it has one. In other words, the ego is happy so long as it has some set of answers to the Cheshire Cat's question. But when you remove all of those answers, that's the ego-based storyline that we identify with, that the ego uses to wrap itself around us and make us think that we're just this little bubble, this little personal I, when what we really are is this ocean of universal consciousness. So, okay, so because the ego is like a pest dispenser for these identities, for these ego-based storylines, after we answered the Cheshire Cat's question, and then we let all of our answers go, and then we came up with replacement answers to the Cheshire Cat's question, like meaning that we came up with replacement identities. And then we let all of those go. And then we compiled a list of our original identities and all of our replacement identities. All right, so let's take a moment now to read both of those lists and spend a few minutes just feeling what it feels like to be without those identities. And if your mind fights, like if the ego fights and it throws up additional possibilities, like, well, I'll go volunteer down at the Y or I'll... There's no way that I could ever not be some relation or relationship that I am. Like, just remind yourself that you just let go or that you're just letting go for a moment, like to experience yourself without that identity. All right, let's pause now and do that. Like read both those lists and spend a few minutes just feeling what it feels like to be without all those identities. And if your mind fights, just remind yourself gently that y'all are just letting it go to experience yourselves without that identity. 
like to experience yourself without any of y'all's identities. All right, let's pause now and do that. Okay, so now that y'all have taken the time to experience y'all without any of y'all's identities and without any of y'all's replacement identities, now ask yourself, if I am, or if we are, none of our current identities and none of our replacement identities, if we are none of those things, and who are we? And initially, the mind may throw up all of your original answers to the Cheshire question. Well, we're a partnered mother researcher, part-time firefighting stamp collector. And all you can do is acknowledge like, hey, yeah, I know, but we're not those things anymore. And then ask yourself again, if I am or we are, none of our current identities and none of our replacement identities, if we're none of those things, then who are we? If I am none of those things, who am I? And when there are no more possible identities and no more arguments that arise from the ego in response, like only then will you finally have a true answer. And the true answer is that you are the universal I, meaning that your I is the same as everyone else's I. Or that when you're stripped of your ego creature suit and all your ego identities, all the I am this and I am that, that, that at the end, when what you have left, when all that remains is just the I am. And then you can see that what everyone else has when they take off their ego creature suit is also just the I am. And so that's when you know that fundamentally, like that who or what you are is the same as who or what everyone else is. And that's when you know that who you really are and what everyone else really is, is the universal I. And as you settle into that answer, you're experiencing enlightenment. And just trust me that when you can be comfortable playing around with the idea that you're no longer some social identity that's really important to you, like being married to the person that you're married to, or the parent of the person that you're a parent of, then learning to switch out thoughts and feelings, like that starts to be a breeze. And that all opens up a whole lot of doors for choosing how you want to think and feel, which is a whole lot more good and a whole lot less bad along the way to enlightenment. Okay, so... This week on the Kate T. Benson podcast, we walked through some very specific practices that are designed to create space between you and your ego-based storyline, some help you to develop some flexibility in your identity. That ego-based storyline, that ego creature suit that makes you think y'all are just a tiny bubble. So this week on the Kate T. Benson podcast, we walked through some very specific practices that are designed to create space between you and your ego-based storyline, the ego creature suit that makes you think you're just this tiny little bubble, 
so that you can experience the fullness of universal consciousness or who you are without all the identities that you've been identifying with. It's a very powerful exercise and it's useful for experiencing enlightenment and for experiencing a whole lot more good and a whole lot less bad along the way to enlightenment. Because again, just trust me that when you can be comfortable playing around with the idea that you are no longer some social identity that's really important to you, like being married to the person that you're married to or the parent of the person that you're a parent of, that learning to switch out thoughts and feelings, like that becomes a breeze and it opens up a whole lot of doors for feeling and choosing how you want to think and feel. You can use variations of this exercise to explore space from any identity that you identify with. Like, so for example, if you identify as someone who's unwell in some way or a victim of something, and you want to explore what it's like to not feel that, you can use this exercise and just plug in different terms for generating space from those identities. I would be grateful for your feedback about your experience with this exercise. It's very powerful and you may find yourselves overwhelmed by it. If that's the case, just give yourself some time and space and just come back to it. But come back to it because it works. All right. That was what I wanted to share today. Again, I would be so grateful for any feedback. If y'all are curious about me, you can learn more and sign up for my newsletter at kate-t-benson.com. And you can also follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Kate T. Benson and subscribe on YouTube. Thank you so much for your time. I see you. I appreciate you. Until next time. Namaste.